I'm Chris McDonough, a retired homicide detective. I've interviewed thousands of people, from serial killers to ministers. Welcome to the interview room. Welcome to the interview room, everybody. As always, we're coming to you from an undisclosed location. If you want the truth about all things true crime, you have come to the right channel. The cases we review on this channel, the parties are always innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Sometimes that's not too hard. Here, you are safe, and your opinions are valued, and please keep it classy. Tonight's guest, Mr. Billy Little. <laughs> Have we got a show for you? Billy's not only a great American and friend, but he's handled 17 high-profile capital murder cases been there done that he's a retired military officer and he has also served as a judge in the court systems in Arizona he takes on cases to bring justice to those who do not have a voice thank you to all of our mods Miss Sophia Maui girl Stephanie Herb Mamie J2 and Teresa Mulligan. A special thanks to all of our members, our subs on YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, and Patreon. Together, we will move mountains in the names of justice. Let's bring in Mr. Billy Little. <laughs> you, you like the sound effects, buddy? Love it. You're the best. <laughs> Good to see you. You look great. great. Oh, man, you look fantastic. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah. Let me uh, tone this down here for a second. So, uh, anyway, so you've been going 150 miles an hour, and I cannot, I am really excited about tonight's program. Uh, first of all, let's bring uh, the viewers up to speed on. Uh, you know, how you and Lou and your family and Greg and, and Dee's family are doing, because tonight we're going to cover D Warner, right? Yep. Um, 
everybody as far as health goes we're, we're doing great we'll have a live butters update to see how the dog is recovering from his surgery and oh awesome but, but we will um we can't be doing 100 percent until this case gets resolved the family can't have peace and the community can't have peace until we get justice in this case and that's what we're going to do yep and so maybe uh let's uh Let's go ahead and lay down the ground rules here. Uh, tonight, I know we've got some information that um, has been obtained, and it's, you'll reveal that as we go along. Uh, but also, uh, I know that you have on the ground uh, have been doing you know, just tremendous amount of things. And folks, uh, when you get a chance, go uh, read uh, Billy's bio. I mean, it's so extensive. Uh, I put it up there, but when you get a chance, uh, this is this man is a great American. He's not only a, um, a Marine Corps uh, officer, uh, you were also in the Air Force for a while. Uh, I think, you know, a long time because you, you, you got out at the rank of colonel, if I remember right. But you're also a combat veteran. You came out into town. You're um, one of the most brilliant legal minds uh, I've ever come across. And um, the fact that you have done this uh, for this family after they called you up and they saw you on the Maya Miliette case and said, yeah. that's the guy we want. And, and so go this ahead. is my least, this is my least favorite part of the show. I wish we would not talk about me ever again. <laughs> uh, I, <just laughs> I know, I know, but that's what I love about you. You're, you're humble. And at the same time, though, you're a great American, and I've always been grateful for your service and every other veteran that tunes in uh, with us here. Uh, we are so grateful, Billy and I, and I, I'm speaking for him right now, but I, he's going to say his own piece uh, because he's actually done the job I have never uh, done. I came from two Marines, uh, you know, mom and dad, but Billy has actually been there, done that. He served all over this world. Uh, and he's a great American. And I just want to thank all of you veterans out there uh, who have served this amazing country. Uh, we are so grateful for your service, and we will always create a safe place here on the interview room uh, for you to come and to uh, you know voice your opinion. So um, yeah. that said, your, Billy, your dad, can I just talk about your dad for two seconds? As long as you were talking about me, I'll talk. Your your dad. Uh, <laughs> was in the frozen chosen and all the military people want to understand what that means. And so we walk in the shadows of your dad. So I know he's no longer with us, but he's watching over us. Well, you're very kind. And I yep. will all be there soon, sir. We'll come see you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he just heard that. I'm sure of it. Knowing him. Uh, absolutely. Okay. So uh, let me pull the, um, is there anything you want to lay out Billy in terms of ground rules or anything you're going to take? questions as we at uh, towards the end uh like we always do uh and so guys and gals if you have um something that you want to say uh you know just if i don't get a chance to flag it fast enough please forgive me i'm trying to run the you know the powerpoint here for billy and at the same time uh flag your comments so if i miss it the first time after the powerpoint is over put your questions up why don't we just hold our questions until the powerpoint's over and then you can put them into the chat and I'll go ahead and pull them up uh, and star them. And then uh, we'll try to get through them. Uh, as always, our mods, uh, look at the community guidelines down there. 
uh, below the link in this uh, video, uh, you'll see that we have some rules and we like to uh, maintain those rules here. And our mods, we have the best in the, in my opinion, on YouTube and we, we love them very much and we can't do this without them. And so we, we are going to have a slightly different thing. So we don't uh, use swear words on here. However, we will have recordings from people who are involved in this case, and they might use swear words. Okay, so if you have children, when we play those recordings, uh, you don't want them to hear the swear words, turn the volume down or remove the kids. But these are not our words. These are their words. Yeah, great point. Thank you so much. And and we'll give you guys uh, a little heads up uh, when that's going to happen. Uh, you, when we get to the part where you'll see Billy, it'll it'll talk about audio. Uh, there there could be some appropriate uh, you know verbiage in there, like Billy's talking cuss words and stuff. And we certainly don't want uh, you know the kids or anybody uh, uh, you know triggered by any of that. So or offended by it for the children. So we want to make sure. Yeah that this is not a, uh, you know, a kid-friendly part initially uh, through this whole thing. Great point. Okay, so I'm going to, let me get ready here on the, the um, PowerPoint here. Okay. I'm coming over behind the scenes. Okay, so I've got it up, Billy, behind the scenes, and I think you have some info, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, follow your lead. Okay. Well, we, of course, have to check in on Butters, who had ACL surgery a month and a half ago. And as you can tell by that picture that was taken yesterday, he is doing absolutely fantastic. And all the people that have sent their well wishes, we appreciate that. Uh, in fact, during this broadcast, you may hear him bark. He's, uh, he's also my protector. So <laughs> thank you for um, letting me share Butters' picture. He's He's my hero. Awesome. Let's let's get serious. Okay. Tonight's topics. Here we go. Here's what we're going to cover tonight. We're going to talk about good versus evil and review of the facts. Web of support. That's Dale Warner's web of support. And there's a lot of people say, well, what can we do? Uh, what kind of steps can we take? So we're going to have a call to action at the end. We're going to give you some things, not a complete list, but a, a list of things. If you want to do something, if you want to be one of the champions, one of the heroes of this case, like many people have stepped forward, we're going to give you some ideas on what you can do to help. So life is a constant struggle between good and evil. And it is it fluctuates. So, And we all have good and bad inside each of us. And it's a constant battle in life to do something good versus evil. And we make a choice every day. And just because we chose bad or evil yesterday doesn't mean that we can't make a different choice today. Uh, and this is a struggle that's inside of us. Remember, the, we used to have those cartoons about the good devil or the angel and the devil on our shoulders. There's a story in the Cherokee tradition about the good wolf and bad wolf that lives in all of us. Which one will you feed the most? That's the one that will survive. But this case in particular is a struggle between good and evil. Let me let me tee up. Can we go to the next slide? To the back? Go back? No, no, no that's fine. You're, you're right where we need to be. Thank you, sir. 
So, you know, now we got to go back one. <laughs> so some of us are old enough to remember the Iran hostage crisis back in 1979. It's when uh, these so-called students stormed our U.S. embassy, took hostages, including military people, the Marine security guards. They took them hostage for 444 days. Next slide. These people were held, they were tortured, they were blindfolded and handcuffed for days on end. They were mock executions where they would take them out, um, put a gun to their head, pull the trigger, um, and it was 444 days of hell. So this gentleman here is one of the Marine security guards. That is on the, you see him wearing the USMC, the Marine Corps blouse. That is Steve Kirtley, uh, a real American hero. Uh, and he was one of the hostages. He was a hostage over there. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet him when I went through the basic school uh, back in 1987 and 1988. It's a, it's a six-month school. So it's a, <laughs> you get to know people pretty well. You go to the field with them. You do all sorts of things with them. And Steve shared with me a story that I want to share with you, and I think it's appropriate in this case. While he was over there, they at some point allowed them to receive letters from people at home. And so they, he would get letters and letters of support, well wishes, good meaning. We have your back. We support you. We're putting yellow ribbons on trees. We want you to come home, all of this. And uh, he was very thankful for those letters. He appreciated that people didn't forget about him, that there were a lot of Americans that were supporting him. And he told me, he said, Billy, yes, fantastic. It was a great outpouring of support. But what I really wanted is somebody to pick up a rifle and come here and get me out. He wanted somebody not to send a letter, not to talk, but to take action. Next slide. So in life, with, during this battle between good and evil, it's not enough to say, gosh, that's horrible. Boy, I wouldn't have done that. Why, why doesn't somebody do about that? We all have a responsibility to stop talking and start doing. Chris and I, we don't get paid for this. Uh, in fact, I lose money <laughs> on these cases. But it's not about the money. It's about doing something good in life, making this a better world. Uh, and this is not my community. This is not my state but it is my world. And when I see something bad, I can't just walk by. I've heard stories about people who have seen a rape and they just keep walking by. That's not me. And I hope that's not you. When you see something evil, do something. Next slide. Yeah, there. this is a personal responsibility. This is not, well, the police will take care of it. Somebody else will take care of it. Uh, Billy and Chris will go and take care of it for us. Now, we all have that response. It's a personal and individual responsibility for you to do the right thing. And so I'm asking that that's what we do here and every day, really. And again, if you did something bad yesterday, you didn't get involved yesterday, it doesn't matter. Today is a new day. Every breath is a new breath in your life. And the bad wins when the good people stop doing 
stop combating the evil. That's when evil wins, when the good people stop fighting the evil. And I didn't, that's not my quote, but somebody said it someday, one day. Now, evil wins when good people do nothing. So let's do something. Next slide. We're very, very fortunate in this case. I love there, this picture, by the way. <laughs> uh, here's some real heroes. Look like some crazy seals going out and putting their life on the line so that you and I can have the freedom to do these shows and go out and try to help people in our own way. Um, but they're heroes in this case. And stepping forward in this case doesn't mean that there are no risks. There are risks when you step forward. There are risks to me. There are risks to Chris. There are risks to everybody in this case. But you have to have the courage to step forward. So next slide. That's the old Uncle Sam poster, and that is Greg Hardy, Dee's brother, at one of the rallies next to us. But Dee needs your help. Dee needs your help. This country and this community and this society needs you, needs all the good people to do good things, and we can help you do that. But you got to step up. Next slide. So, like I said, there are risks involved. And you have to be willing to accept those risks. Uh, it's important. What you see here, one of the heroes in this case, Catherine, and she's allowed me to use her name. Most of you hear, don't ever hear me say names on here because I keep sources uh, protected. But Catherine Adams is one of the heroes in this case. She stepped forward. She started the, uh, she took over the Justice for D Facebook page. Um, and she's helped a lot on this case. And what is what is her payback for that? Does she get any money? No. She, in fact, has invested her own money and her family's money in this case. She's not making money off of it. Um, is she living in that community feeling like, oh, everything's fine? No. She ex knows and accepts the risk. And what you see in this picture, that's Dale Warner. Yeah. And, and the power of social media and these platforms, this is a a tribute to her courageous stepping, you know, her courage stepping forward uh, on a social media platform. And what does she do? She looks in the rearview mirror and there he is. There he is. And I would say, you know, it's six inches from her back bumper. Yeah. That's a wow moment right there. Yeah. Yeah. Dale passing a message. I see you. I know who you are. Yeah. Clearly and, and intimidating. And by the way, uh, I've talked to other witnesses who have said that he's done the same thing, not just with truck, but while he's in his farm equipment, done similar things. So, yeah, it's, and yeah, do you think me and Chris don't get threatened? Of course we do. Um, yeah, line them up. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we're, uh, we're here. We're ready. We've got to. We got, we're in Michigan, we're in Michigan for this case, but I live in Missouri. We, uh, we have Missouri justice out there. Um, and so you want to come out to our neighborhood come on. So we've got, uh, if you, I'll tell you how to get to my house. If you come down to the Ozarks, no. you make a left <laughs> when you see, no, 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 Chris, <laughs> when, when you I see, know the, you. I when, know you see you. <laughs> when you see the police cars and the highway patrol cars, Keep driving. Those are my neighbors. 
when you yeah. when you hear the gunfire near the end of the street, you're getting close to my house because all of yeah, my neighbors are shooting at me. It's a blue dot on the on the map. <laughs> just for the blue dot. And you just make a left and pull right in, and the uh, then you'll see a little tiny white light light up, and that's the motion detector catching you. And yeah, I mean, internet MF M, you know, MMA fighters, right? Gotta love them. Gotta love them. Yeah. Job yep. security. Don't, but it's, right. look, next, uh, next. I, yeah, we joke about it, but there are real risk in this, and we have had real threats. So, but guess what? Okay. Uh, we're all going to die. I'm not worried about it. So, let's do the right thing while we're here. That yeah, but just remember, you. just remember, and this is proof that while they're playing, uh, this isn't our first rodeo. And, uh, you know, we, we can play too. And by the way, now, hopefully the cops are watching this uh, because this is the first time you've revealed this tonight, but you've known about it. We've known about it for quite some time. And, you know, hey, yep. Dale, by the way, you know, you're, you look pretty good with the wave going on there. Anyway, it looks pretty good. Probably just being yeah. friendly. And all innocent, right? All people, you know, are innocent until proven guilty. But of course, everybody rides around and drives up on people's bumpers to try to intimidate them whose wives are missing. And, you know, sure. that always happens, right? I mean, for all we know, he's flagging her down to give her a critical piece of evidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, next slide. Right, let's get serious. All right, let's review yeah. the facts, okay? Because some people don't know what's going on here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through these really quick because a lot of people have already seen this. So let's fly through this part. I'm going to talk fast. So here's, here's the general timeline. We know that a month prior or so, uh, Dale tells someone that he's going to kill Dee. We know that on that Saturday, uh, she was crying and throwing up and upset all day, telling everyone she knew that she was going to divorce Dale and sell the businesses and, and get away finally. Uh, and then her friend says, well, I'll come and I'll pick up the young daughter. She was nine years old at the time. I'll come get her so she can stay at my house and you, she won't have to be a part of this. So the timeline starts that evening, Saturday evening, 7 p.m. Dale gets home. 7.42 the friend comes and picks up the little girl and takes her for the night, keeps her for the next 24 hours. At 8.34 p.m., there's only one person other than Dale and Dia on the property, and that's caught on a surveillance camera. Now, I haven't revealed who that was uh, that he asked to leave the property that night, but I will later on in this law. I'm going to tell you finally, who was that that was out there in that garage area at 8.34 that Dale went out when he was wearing his shorts, no shirt, and cowboy boots, 47 degree temperature, and tells him to leave the property. I'm going to tell you that. So at 10.24, the friend asked Dee, wanted to make sure she was okay. How are you? No response for half an hour. A half an hour later, a text is sent back from Dee's phone that just says K. That's, her, that's supposedly her response to how are you, okay? Now, in all the thousands of text messages that we've seen uh, from Dee, none of them say K. She was, she was a very verbal person. She liked to text a lot. She liked to talk a lot. Um, not one K in there. 
So, and then mysteriously, just a few minutes later, her cell phone switches from Wi-Fi to cell, right? So there's some possibilities for that. I'm not going to go through them all, but um, that's a bad sign. Let's fast forward to that night. Now we got this blank time um, that goes all the way up to 2.30 a.m. And at 2.30 a.m., her phone and her watch go dead forever, never to be found, never to be heard from again. Not a ping, nothing. They're done. Uh, during this entire night, the lights are on at the house all night. And we're going to go over Dale's story in a little bit, what he says happened that night. And we're going to compare that to the facts. And then we know that Dale leaves the house. And then Dale comes back at 430. And you say, well, where was he? Well, now we know at least one place he was. We know that at 3.55 a.m., he was at his dad's house getting the keys to the chemical and equipment barn, storage area. That was at 3.55. Now, according to Dale, Dee was asleep until 6 a.m., and so was he. Um, but we'll get back into his story in a little bit. So then 9.30 that morning comes around, and Dee's daughter, uh, her boyfriend and the two grandchildren come over on Sunday morning for breakfast as they do every single Sunday morning for breakfast. And Dee is gone. She's not there. Uh, they start looking for her. They can't find her. Dale's out um, spreading fertilizer in a field. Right. And again, we'll get to Dale's story in a minute. Uh, and then at 11 a.m., as everybody is alerted and they're all looking for where is Dee? They look in the office. They look around at the other places that she might have been. Nobody can find Dee. But what we do know is Dale has the $50,000 wedding ring with this large diamond that he pulls out of his pocket. So the ring she was wearing, he has on him in his left pocket, which, by the way, on the office security uh, footage, guess what we see him playing with and in his left pocket. Then that's before he says to the people that were there, oh, oh, no, no, no. I found this on my desk in the other room, in the other office. Um, she left this ring when she left. Of course, there's yeah. surveillance cameras and there's no surveillance camera of her going in or out of that office that morning. So, yeah, and he's standing there fiddling with the ring. Fiddling uh, with the ring and then sticks it back in his pocket. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chris, I cut you off. No, you're fine. You're fine, Billy. Keep going. Keep going. Um, yeah, it was um, It was apparently not the right time for him to make his play about she left the ring on the desk because uh, the family had already been in and out of his office, didn't see the ring. Of course, they weren't looking for the ring on the desk, but they didn't see that giant ring laying on his desk where he says that he found it. Uh so he didn't make his play then. He plays with the ring. He puts it back in his left pocket. And later on, he gets one-on-one -on -one with one of Dee's sons and says, oh, yeah, she left this ring on my desk. Okay. So what would, if there was a murder here, what is the possible motive? Was it, well, we're getting a divorce and there is a history of domestic violence. We've gone over on past episodes 
Um, we know that this guy goes from zero to 60 in a split second. You and I saw it. Yeah. He uh, went, he went off on us. Yeah. We actually have video great. of that. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, so we know who the guy is. Right. So, so maybe it was, you know, if there was a murder, maybe it was that, well, um, he just lost control. Uh, things got out of hand. He, you know, made a mistake and killed her. And I, we gave him that out early when we started this, we said, Hey, you can take this and go. And he should have taken it because it just keeps getting worse. Um, so what would be a motive? So let's go to the next slide. Well, we know that D was 100% shareholder and owner of her trucking business that was supporting uh, Dale's failing business. And this statement here, that that's in excess of a million dollars owed by Warag Farms, and that's the thing that D and Dale own 50% each, uh, was one of Dale's farms uh, and the farm services. Uh, they needed cash, so they got it from D's business. So D's, D's business was supporting all of the businesses on that farm. So she had the goose that was laying the golden eggs. And she, by the way, she was a hundred percent owner. So when she gets a divorce and leaves, uh, that's bad news for Mr. Warner. Next slide. So this trucking business that she started, which was DDW Investments, and you see it in the red over there under May 10th, 2006. You see again, that's D Warner. She created that hundred percent owner making money. And then we slide over to April 25th, and we see another red highlight, Todd Nairink. Todd Nairink was a dispatcher who had the argument with the in the days leading up to her disappearance. Todd Nairink, who, by the way, now works for the trucking company who bought the trucking business from Dale, right? But how, do you, how does Dale sell? D's trucking company. He doesn't, he has zero ownership interest in it. So what he does in August 9th, 2021, is he creates a new business using that same DDW, but instead of investments, he changes it to transportation. He then transfers. Still married. Still married. Uh, well, she's gone, right? She's been right, gone. Now still married. Legally, st legally still married. Yeah. Uh, but yep. he creates a new company, and we'll get into the audio from Todd Narek later, because um, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'll leave. <laughs> We're getting to it. Uh, but once Dale transfers all of the assets into his newly formed company after D goes missing, and now he's in a position to sell it. And in fact, um, after he loads down her business with debt, takes all the assets, creates a new trucking company, and then now a year later uh, is able to sell the trucking business to a company called Laidlaw. Um, and that's who Todd Nerick now works for. So Todd was also the person who was at the house that morning that she disappears at 3.30 a.m. We're going to go over his electronic log. Uh, we're going to talk about where he went. And we're going to talk about the things he said. And they're not going to come from my mouth. They're going to come from Todd's mouth. So you're going to hear Todd in his own words tonight talking about all of the evidence in this case. And 
Well, well, we'll get to Todd in a minute. I don't want to say too much more. Next slide. Okay. So, so that was motive, right? Motive is I need money. She's going to take the money. Um, there's a bunch of other motives. He, he, there was a serious dislike by Dale and his family towards D. Um, so there were multiple motives. It's not like there's one thing, this or that. It's a soup, right? You can hate, you can dislike, uh, you can want money, you can be greedy, you can be worried about your reputation, your ego, all of those things. So let's see, Dale actually made some statements. Now, I don't know that he's ever been formally interviewed or interrogated, but he has made statements. In fact, he made some statements to you, Chris. Yep. And we're going to talk about those in just a second. Uh, but his initial story was to not just one witness, but a couple of witnesses was that that Friday night or Saturday night was the worst fight of their marriage. Well, of course it was. Dee was upset, crying and throwing up all day Saturday and she wanted a divorce. Yeah, that was, that was it. That was the end of the marriage. That was the end of the businesses she wanted out. But Dale later changes that story to, well, it wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't such a big deal, right? Uh, he says, well, in fact, what I did was we had, you know, a little minor discussion. And then I just gave her a massage on the living room floor. And after I gave her that little massage on the living room floor, I picked her up and placed her on the couch where she then slept like a baby all night. Uh, and Dale's attorney comes out and says uh, her Dale's Apple watch shows that he had the same heart rate all night. We looked into that. His Apple Watch wasn't synced to his phone, so there's no there's no valid reading from his watch. But eh, nice try. And then, no, well, I'm I'm sure he's going to produce it, right? He's going to show us. Oh, and by the way, Chris, is he yeah. is he welcome on this show? Absolutely, all the twenty four seven three sixty five. Yeah, w would you be willing to look at that evidence if they presented it to you? 100%. Okay. So let's don't pretend like we're not being fair and looking for all the evidence and the fact that you want to withhold it. That's, you know, you have, that's your right, but you got to take the shots too. When you do that. Open invitation. There you go. Um, so, and then his buddy there, Todd Nehring, and you will, you will hear him in his own words. He confirms that there was a confrontation that Saturday night. So that there was no confrontation story is not holding water, even with Dale's own supporters. So then Dale says, well, you know, D was just asleep all night. And in the morning when I got up at 6 a.m., she was asleep and snoring on the couch. We're going to break that down in a minute. And then after he leaves to go, you know, spread fertilizer on the fields and is gone for a few hours, she must have driven the Hummer that was parked behind the house over to the office, somehow evading all security cameras so that it could never be seen driving, not headlights, not brake lights, no motion, but it gets to the front of the office about a hundred feet away. Uh, and she must have done that for the purpose of going into that office and dropping that $50,000 wedding ring on Dale's desk. Now, interestingly enough, while she's in there, 
apparently leaving forever to run off to never be heard from again. She's, she's conscious enough to drop that ring off, but she's got a bunch of cash in her desk drawer, but she doesn't take the cash. I guess she didn't need the cash to disappear forever. And again, she is not seen on any security video, not just driving the Hummer over there. There's not, there are video cameras inside the office area that are not seen. She's not seen going in there, dropping a ring off. Uh, we already yeah, talked and, about And for the, for the audience, Billy, for the folks that have never been here, uh, give you a chance to grab a sip of water there is, you know, refresh everybody that the Hummer was parked by the back doors of her house and it would have been easy uh, to, you know, remove her from the home, hypothetically. Yeah, right? the Hummer was parked in the back by the, there's a double set of French doors that lead into the living room where this massage and gently picking her up and putting on the couch, right where Dale says this happened, there's some double French doors right there. And that Hummer had been sitting there for a month because Dale or D ordinarily drove her Cadillac Escalade, which was still at the house. Like no vehicles were missing when D disappears. Um, so, but that Hummer that had been sitting there for a month had been moved over to the front of the office and the tracks that were in its place when the witnesses got there were JCB tracks. It's a front loader. The JCB had pulled right up to the place where she had been napping and snoring and gotten a massage and placed on the couch. Um, but then the JCB was moved. And then when the kids are there looking for their mother, the Hummer mysteriously goes back and is put back in front of those French doors. And the JCB is moved because the JCB was also in front of the office area for a while. So Maybe D both drove both of those over there. Maybe she drove her Hummer and the JCB over to the office. Um, That's what he would have us believe for sure. Yeah, so story. But the evidence doesn't support that currently. No, no. Yeah. Um, no. Unless his attorney's going to produce that evidence that can show us D moving that Hummer on video. That Happy would be great. I'd love Happy to see, to see it. it. I too. would love. Love for them to prove us wrong. Prove me wrong. Yeah. I would love for D to come walking through the door and say, you know what? Um, I somehow mysteriously moved that Hummer back and forth. I've been gone for a year and I have not talking to anybody, none of my children, grandchildren, nobody. Didn't take a phone. Didn't. We'll get into that later. But yeah, please, please prove me wrong. I, my ego's not in this. I just want to do the right thing. So prove us wrong. But thus far, nobody has. So Dale also produces a letter that he says D wrote, and this was evidence that she was leaving, but that letter had been seen before, uh, several years before, and the letter doesn't say, I'm going to leave and kill myself or anything like that. Uh, we produced that letter on past episodes. And then good thing for Todd Nerink, uh, again, we're going to get into his audio, but he, he says, no, the note was written four or five years ago. So even your even your buddy there, Dale Todd, says that the note wasn't that day. So you producing that. Well, let's ask a quick why question. We're going to do some more why questions. So if, if Dale knows that the note was written four or, five day, four or five years ago, why would he produce it when she disappears? 
Why? Why produce it and say this was the note she left when she was leaving? Does he need to do that if she disappeared? Does yeah, he no, need that's to? That's a great question, Ed. Yep. So, but Todd Narrant clears that up for us. And we know that the note was written and other witnesses too, written several years ago. So then Dale says, another, D left. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, while you're so he, here, while we're still here, I, I just occurred to me another correlating behavioral analysis aspect here is you notice Dale selects the activity of a massage okay, mm -hmm. that I was giving her a massage. Okay. I think that's really interesting that, you know, Todd uh, will, when you'll get, you're going to get into that. I don't want to get ahead of you, but at the same time, I want the audience to see a correlation where, you know, let's say this uh, is what we would call a parroting story. And we've heard this numerous times, but so, you know, items of parroting like massages and things like that are familiar to the individual, you know, projecting that into the environment uh, during a, you know, a story of some sort. It's like, you know, what, like, you know, I see this person at such and such and so and so. Well, that individual has actually lived that experience and they project it into their narrative. And this is what, this is two examples of that. One is the note. And the second is the massage based on some of the things we're going to unveil here. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That's right. No, you're great. Thank you. Because you're covering a lot of stuff that I'm missing. So Dale says that he left with a curling iron. Anybody that knows this woman knows that she is always dressed to the T or the nines, I guess they call it. And she, in fact, on that Saturday, even though she was crying, her eyes were swollen, she got her eyelashes put on. Um, she, she doesn't walk anywhere. She's a fancy woman, right? Nothing wrong with that, but that's just who she was. She liked to be made up. Even if she was going out to work on the farm, she would put her makeup on, get her hair done. Um, but the only thing she took with her is not a bunch of makeup or beauty products. She takes a curling iron. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that. Oh, here we go. Um, yeah. So later the story changes, right? The story changes to, oh, no, no. She was seen on security cameras with two suitcases leaving the property. That is fantastic, Dale. Please, please provide us with that security footage. Please. If you say that that's what happened, give it to we'll us. We'll run it. Yeah. We'll put, oh, it on, we'll put it right here on this platform. I'd love to, love to exonerate you. Please help us exonerate you. Um, so show us that video with the two suitcases, with Dee leaving with the two suitcases. And if she wasn't leaving with two suitcases, why would you need to tell that lie? Why? Just yeah. let the facts be what they are. Why do you need to say that story? Why do you need to say she left with two suitcases? Well, uh, I guess because with that curling iron in hand, no car, no passport, no phone, no money, uh, she went to Mexico or Jamaica. That was, that's what he said to you, Chris. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and he said it in front of everybody. Oh yeah. He said it in front of law enforcement and 10 witnesses. Uh, she, she must've gone to Mexico or Jamaica. No, you go. What you're going to say. I know where you're going to, what you're going to say next. Some, uh, somebody else said something different. Yeah. His close ally says, 
Todd Narek now, we've got him on tape saying, oh, no, she's in Arizona. So she in Mexico, Jamaica, or Arizona? Where is she? Stop changing well, the story. It's getting hard to follow. On, and he's on the security surveillance, too. On the security. He's actually seen at the property. And and now he's heard. He's oh, Todd? Be heard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. We, no, we. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't leave stones unturned. And, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But anyway, so the news story is Arizona, I guess. Um, okay, it's great. How do you know that? And where is she? And who's she with? Fantastic. Please. I, I go there all the time. Let me go find her for you. No problem. And and don't think I've checked that out, by the way. <laughs> you know a couple people there, right, Your Honor? <laughs> I, I know one or two people there. So uh, story's not on water. So what is Dale's story? All right, we just went through some of it. Um, but some of the important stuff, and, and I think this gets overlooked at times. So Dale says that she is asleep and snoring, sleeping like a baby at six o'clock. And when the kids come over about three, three and a half hours later, she is gone forever. So what needs to happen in that three, three and a half hours? Let's see. Next slide. So she wakes up sometime after 6 a.m. She grabs a curling iron, right? And, and keep in mind, she knows she's leaving forever, not going to contact anybody ever again. And she grabs her curling iron, but no luggage, contrary to what their new story is about two pieces of luggage. Um, and she disposes of her phone so that nobody will ever find it, right? She's got, that takes time. Um, so she had to go and hide her phone somewhere. For what purpose is unknown, but she hit her phone and she hit her uh, Apple Watch so that nobody would ever find it. That takes time. We got three and a half hours, D. Better get hustling. And that's three and a half hours is assuming that the split second Dale walks out, she wakes up from her sound sleep snoring. In spite of the fact that they had a fight and talked about divorce and whatever, she seemed to just sleep right through it. No problem. And then she is able to, in that three and a half hours, evade all surveillance cameras, drive the Hummer to the office, and maybe she drove the JCB to the office too, and then take the time to put a ring on Dale's desk and must have like slithered against the walls to try and figure out how to evade the cameras. Well, why does she need to evade the cameras? Why does she need to evade the cameras if she's leaving forever? Won't we all know that she left forever? Won't we figure out that she's gone? And if you're leaving the ring on the desk as a message to Dale, well, don't you want him to know that you left it there? Why do you need to evade the cameras, the security cameras inside the office area? And on Saturday, I think this is the bottom point. On Saturday, it's an important point that... On Saturday, she contacts everybody. I mean, we have the phone records. She contacts everybody by phone and by text. Everybody's close to her, talks to them about her being upset, that she wants a divorce, she's crying, throwing up. Um, she's leaving Dale. She's going to sell the business. So she contacts everybody. And she was talkative. 
And yet on Sunday, none of these people does she contact. Never contacts anybody ever again. Seem, seem to have changed from Saturday where she wants to tell everybody that she's going to leave to Sunday all of a sudden deciding forever to not contact anybody ever again and vanish off the face of the earth without a trace from the middle of a farm out in Michigan. Next slide. Uh, next slide. Can you see that? No time for shower. Yep. 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 Got it. So, and she gets up, remember she gets made up even when she's going out to work on the farm, but that morning she didn't have time, man. She had to be moving. Right. So this woman who is always dressed to the nines, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm not, but dressed to the nines, Every day, hair done, eyes done, makeup done, nails done, everything. On Sunday morning, when she's going to leave forever, doesn't take a shower. Where's where's the evidence that a shower was taken that morning? Where's the wet towels? Where's anything that's consistent with her behavior in the past? And do you think she's going to wear the same clothes two days in a row, a woman like that? So where are the clothes that she was wearing on Saturday? If she was murdered on Saturday, those clothes are critically important. The clothes you're wearing when you're murdered, key piece of evidence. So where are they? I'm sure that the police in a year and a half have looked for these clothes. I'm sure there's been a search warrant executed. Oh, we're going to find the clothes. We'll see. Already yeah, and let's, not, let's not forget some of the other jewelry that she was having custom made. Oh yeah. No, she had a ring that was custom made worth several thousand dollars that the jeweler contacted her on Thursday. Keep in mind, she gets in the argument on Saturday and has never heard from again. Um, on Thursday's contacted, Hey, your ring's ready to be picked up. She paid for it in cash. She leaves and never picks up the ring ever, ever doesn't get her money back. Let's say she needs the money to go live, you know, secretly, you know, in Mexico, Jamaica, Arizona. And but she doesn't need that cash. She's got so much money. She doesn't need those thousands of dollars. And so when she's talking to people on Saturday and she's all upset, I'm going to leave Dale, we're going to divorce, we're going to sell the business. I'm tired of them. There's too much, whatever. Um, she never says, you know, I'm considering just disappearing. What if I just were to disappear off the face of the planet? Never mentions that. It's not in a text. There's no witness that says it. It was never a part of her thought process. Her thought process of leaving him, sure. Disappearing forever, not contacting your children or your grandchildren or any of your friends, any of your support. And then they were like, well, she must have taken off with a um, rich boyfriend or something. Okay. I've looked for that boyfriend. And I'm not going to talk about it today, but maybe if this case keeps going, I'm going to talk about some of the stuff we looked for in that and that the ways that we look for it. But there's no boyfriend. No boyfriend. She wasn't 
seeing a guy that she then took off with that must have been somebody who had more money than him or whatever Dale's story was to these witnesses. And that's what he did say uh, at some point. But um, there's no boyfriend. And if there is one, tell us. Who is? Well, come forward. Yeah, have, have him come forward. Somebody, yeah. if you know who this guy is, have him come forward. Because yeah. he doesn't exist. Right now it's Santa Claus. Yeah. You know, for the adults. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, we have not searched the North Pole. Maybe then we need to put that on our list. Right. Mexico, Jamaica, Arizona, and the North Pole. North Pole. So, so there's no evidence of a boyfriend or accomplice. And the phone records we've scrubbed for the prior. Who, who did she contact in the weeks leading up to this? No. There's nobody. Yeah. The only other circle of influence in this are the folks around Dale. And they actually benefited by Dee's disappearance. And Mr. Todd, and I'm sure you're going to get into that, but uh, let's keep moving. Yeah. So what, but what does Dale do after Dee disappears? Well, on that 8.34 PM on that Saturday night, there's only one person other than Dale and Dee on the property. And now I'm going to tell you who that is. That person on the property at 834, keep in mind that the daughter was picked up at 742 and, and D was uh, hotter than blazes, ready to have that discussion, divorce, whatever. And if the people that know her know, she wasn't waiting to ease into that battle. That was going to happen immediately. So at 742, when the daughter's picked up, uh, that fight is on. And that's when something bad could have happened. I don't want to make accusations on this channel. Uh, but then at 834, we see Dale out in the garage with, in this cold weather with shorts, no shirt, and cowboy boots uh, chasing off his son. Now, the families are close. I'm sure we all have family. Why? Why do you need to chase off your own son? Can't he come in the house and get a drink of water if he wants it? Can't he come in and say goodnight? Can't he come in and get a sandwich if he wants it? Why your own son? Why does your own son have to leave the property? Immediately after you have a big blowout with your wife, why do you need him to get off the property? And he wasn't even in the house. He was out in a garage slash work garage. area. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On video. Oh, yeah. On video. Um, yeah. Why? Why? Why do you care if your son is on your property? Never cared before. Never cared since. But this one time you care, you got to run him off mm. on the night that your wife goes missing. Interesting. After he goes, after D goes missing, uh, Dale all of a sudden couldn't open his iPad because he had burned his own fingerprints off, according to him, with fertilizer. Very unusual because he always opened his iPad with his thumbprint. And now all of a sudden when the police show up to look for his wife, he can't open his iPad because his fingerprints had been burned off. So his wife disappears the same time his fingerprints disappear. 
And then he goes to his father's house at 3.55 a.m. in spite of the fact that he tells everybody that she was asleep and he was asleep until 6 a.m. Well, you let the piece of the story out, Dale. And and why would the lights be on all night if she's in there sleeping like a baby? You got the lights on. We have witnesses. <laughs> Those lights were on all night. So interesting. And, and why not look for your wife? Why not look? Once, just one time. Yeah. Come on out. Help us. Help us find. Well, you've been on vacation in Mexico. Did you look for your wife there? No. But you went on vacation after she went missing. Yeah. Tell us, show us what you've done to look for her. We know you hired uh, lawyers. We know that your lawyers hired uh, defense investigators. What have they done to look for your wife? Give us that evidence. We'd love to. In fact, we invited the investigator that they hired to help us find D. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, join the team. If you want to find the truth, if you want to find justice, come on. But they don't. Not interested. Uh, but when his wife disappears, uh, he's out working in the fields. Another day, another Sunday for Dale, working in the field. And we're going to get into this in a little bit. But why do your phone patterns change? You call multiple times every day until your wife disappears. Hmm. Why would you, why would you stop calling your wife? Oh, maybe you know she's not coming back. Maybe you know what happened, but your phone patterns change. In fact, when your wife goes missing and your daughter's not at home, why don't you at least try to check on your daughter? Is my daughter missing? Did she take the daughter with her? No. You didn't need to check because you know what happened. And when the police come to search your property, look for your missing wife, do you go out there and go, yeah, come on, let's find her? No, you kick them off your property. Why? Why do you kick the police off your property? All they're doing is looking for your wife. Don't you want to find her, Dale? Yeah, and you know, the other thing, Billy, that's you know really profound here is with the daughter, for an example, you know, with mom being the primary caretaker, uh, you know, there's a lot of medical needs for children. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's ever reached out, you know, to D to say, hey, is there anything I need to be aware of with the baby here? Uh, we're yeah. not going to talk about the baby, but, you know, the fact that she's, you know, a, a, a young, you know, child and mom just disappears and yeah. he knows where she went, allegedly, you know, Jamaica or Mexico or, you know, as Todd says, Arizona. Well, why not ask D for medical advice in relationship to your child? I mean, that every mother knows that. I mean, my the chat room will light up with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, because she took care of the daughter every day. Why not check on the routine and the medications? And the she school? arranged for the pickup for that right. night and dropped right. her off. You right. Know, mama bear. Yeah. So you're right. It's a great point. Why not try to check with her? No, you don't do that. We know, we know why. You know why too, Dale. Um, and then on Monday, she goes supposedly missing on Sunday. On Monday, he secretly meets with a guy to change the passwords and manipulate the camera on the security footage. Why? Why is that your main concern? Your wife is missing and your concern is to meet in secret to change passwords on the security cameras. Why? 
Not looking for your why, but you're changing passwords and manipulating security cameras. Why? On Monday, he goes lawyer shopping. Why? Why does he need a lawyer? Your wife's missing. And then when he goes to, makes his first attempt to transfer assets from D, presents a forged power of attorney. <laughs> Why? Why, Dale? And then when asked to take a polygraph, refused. Now we know because Todd is likes to talk a lot, we know from the recordings that actually Dale did take a polygraph. So... And we've mentioned that in last in past shows. So they'll produce that polygraph. We know you've taken it. Produce it. Why not sit down with the police? What do you care? It's not admissible at trial. Clear your name. Go ahead. And just show us the one that you already took. We know you took it. If, if Todd asked you to produce it, would you do that? Because he knows you took it. Next slide. We already talked about he created that new trucking company using that DDW name. Why use the same name? Why, you, why do you use DDW? Use a different name. Transfers the assets. Wipes out a million dollars. Then sells the DDW trucking company that he created. He has her ring. Doesn't offer a reward to find that reward out there that you see for D. That's not from Dale. He's not putting a single penny into that. He hasn't offered it. And him and his family, they're offended by the justice for D signs. Why would he be offended by that? Saying, well, it affects my daughter. Well, your daughter needs to know that somebody gives a dang about her mother, that her mother is loved and missed, and people are trying to find her. And doesn't the daughter want to find her mother too? Why would you stand in the way? Shouldn't the daughter be a part of these rallies? Yes, help me find my mom. Help me find out what, and why, Dale, why do you say she, it was karma she got what she had coming? We already talked about he didn't check on her. But we know this. We know that Dale moved the Hummer from the front of the office back to the house that morning. That we know 100%. Next slide. We talked about the phone call. So here you go. I um, I laid out just some. It, I could have laid a bunch of them out, but it was the slide would have been unreadable. So these are just the phone calls between Dale and Dee in the days leading up. The 24th, that was the last day that um, she was here on this earth. And so that was just the phone call between Dale and Dee. Next slide. Boom. Where are the calls? Just what you said, Chris. These changes in behavior, and he had a lot of them changes in behavior after she supposedly disappears. If you know that you did something bad, your behavior is one way. If you think that she's missing, your behavior is a different way. Guess which way he behaved? She's not coming home. Okay, next slide. So what did D? There's there's a picture of some nails. Not D's nails. I just grabbed that picture, but you know, I talked about she always had herself made up. So here's what we know. No bank account, no cell phone, no credit card, no contact with any of her children, grandchildren, anybody, no passport activity, no clothes taken, no car taken, not seen leaving, never crossed a border, never spotted by any witnesses, 
anywhere in the world. Never, there's face recognition cameras everywhere, not spotted on any of those. Guess what, folks? She's not coming home. Next slide. But Dale couldn't operate in a vacuum. Evil doesn't operate in a vacuum. Evil needs oxygen. Evil needs people to support it. Because when you starve the oxygen from evil, evil goes away. So evil, Dale Webb of support. What is his web of support? How does he get his support? Well, let's see. Let's start with the easy one. Next slide. Yeah, there we go. Business associates. And I've reached out to a lot of them, and I'm not going to go into all of it because the show would be 10 hours long. So let's just focus on Todd Nehring. Next slide. Remember, Todd Nehring is the one who was the dispatcher and um, who benefited from the transfer by getting a job with Laidlaw after the business was sold. Um, next slide. Okay, this, if anybody can read this, it's, uh, it's an electronic log that truckers are required to have. And so this is the electronic log from the truck that Todd Nehrink was driving that morning. And it tells us a lot of things. It tells us locations, time, speed, uh, even down to the grid coordinates so we can tell within a matter of feet where that truck was. Next slide. We know, and Todd posted this, and that he goes to a lime pit. He drives from the farm that morning, gets there at 3.30, the morning that D disappears, takes a load of lime up to a lime pit up at Burns Harbor, Indiana, and dumps it in there. Next slide. Then he goes another 50 miles or so to a wastewater treatment plant to pick up compost where human waste has been turned into pellets. They turn it into fertilizer. He goes and picks up this compost and then brings it back. So he goes to drop off lime, pick up compost, and then drive back home. Next slide. Well, we know at 3.30 a.m. when he gets there, that's the first one, he's the one that tells us that all the lights are on at the house. He doesn't go in the house, uh, according to him, but he knows that all, he tells the police that all the lights were on at the house. And then something interesting happens while he's driving. You're required to log in as a truck driver on these electronic logs, right? In the old days, people would just handwrite it and they would cheat and lie and, you know, whatever, because they are limited on time and some other rules. Um, so now they have to do electronically and it's the, the log forces them to do that. And so he did log in, but he didn't log in under, as Todd and Aaron. He logged in under somebody else's ID. Now, next slide. Uh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Next slide. So that's a violation of federal law. And there were other violations of federal law. I didn't want to list all of the violations that are here in this. But I think this one is significant that he is willing to risk federal imprisonment and fines and violating federal law for the purpose of logging in under a false name on the morning that D disappears. Why? Why would you run that risk? Why would you lie? We know you lied. Why? Why'd you do it? Next slide. 
Now here's the interesting part. So we're going to get into some of Todd's audio. Yeah, so, and let, let let me uh, lay the foundation real fast for the for the new folks that come in. We've got almost just under we got eighteen hundred people right now, and um, so this is the part, guys and gals, where um, Todd's getting. You know, he's 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 with a woman who's um, you know massaging. Okay, yeah. and and so we have audio. Uh, we've, yes, we do. You've cut it, you know, to make it clean and family friendly, uh, but still, we do not want uh, children, uh, you know, around uh, listening. So we're we're not going to play anything that has anything to do with any sort of sexual activity. None of that. Right? Yeah, so no, we're, we're going to stay in the guidelines of, of uh, YouTube and everything, and the community as a whole, and and oh. and uh, to respect for Dee's daughter as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. But unfortunately, Todd is uh, stuck. He's a lo he's a lonely guy. He's so lonely he guy. goes. He pays women to touch him. So yeah, this. Okay, next slide. And before we talked about heroes in this case, before anybody starts judging this woman, uh, and I tell you that we're going to talk about the police interaction with her later, or lack of interaction. Um, but I tell you, this woman is a true hero who has taken a stand and is concerned about her personal safety. Um, but she's taken a stand for what's right in this case. And she did all of us a favor. Yeah. And, and you and I both know, Billy, we've, we've done this a couple of weekends. And some of the most valuable information that can ever be collected in a suspicious circumstance like this comes from those, you know, folks that you would least expect, but they're the ones that solve, you know, a lot of these types of crimes like this, because, you know, unfortunately the people that are, you know, get caught in that web don't realize that, uh, you know, the cops should be talking to them first. I mean, I, how many, how many cases have you handled where, you know, your star witnesses have been, you know, somebody with a questionable background. I mean, let's look at, uh, um, you know, Epstein, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. done. So anyway, she's a real hero. I, I agree she, a million percent. And I want to. She, she's a hero. I'm very thankful for her coming forward. We should all applaud her. And by the way, let's let, biblical quiz for you, Chris. You ready? I'm going to put you on the spot. I didn't, we didn't prep for this. So here you go. Okay. Who is the woman? Who is mentioned the most in the Bible? Uh, that would be Naomi, Mary Magdalene, or, Ruth, or oh, Mary Magdalene. Yeah, yeah. yeah whosoever yeah. hath not, let them cast yeah. a first stone. Got it. So sorry, man. I know. That's okay. <laughs> I was going to go with Ruth as well. Right. But yeah. well, that's the name. Yes, maybe the At name. At least is... I knew all three women in the yes. Bible. Yes. Well, I'm, many. Of I don't them. ever. I don't challenge you on those those things. You're <laughs> smarter than me about that. But yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, a hero in the Bible as well, um, the person that um, closest to Jesus. I don't want to make this into a religious show, but Mary Magdalene was a hero. And this lady here in this case is a hero as well. So next slide. Okay, so Todd. Now Todd has said all along, nothing to do with anything. I got nothing and nothing. So let's hear what you have to say. And I don't know what the volume is going to be like. So we may have to play some of these twice if they don't, they're not too clear. So, Chris, can you help us on that first one? Here's and here we're going to have some cuss words. So, 
Warning. The volume will be great. You ready? Hit that first one. Oh, I'm involved like a motherfucker, right up to my ear. Hmm. Okay. Interesting, Todd. So, I guess you are. Uh, it's going to get worse. So, and by the way, we gave Todd every opportunity. We didn't have to do this tonight. Gave him every opportunity to talk, uh, to come clean, to do what the right thing is, but chose a different path. So now the question is, well, they also, well, there wasn't a, uh, there was no argument that night that my heart rate stayed the same, right? Because in an argument, I'm sure your heart rate would go up, but no, 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 everything was fine. Uh, there was no argument, no confrontation. Well, Todd, what do you say? Was there a confrontation? That they uh, had planned on a confrontation that evening. And I think you've told me that. Oh, yeah. Oops. Oops. Well, well, these are your buddies. And then we talked about this one about D going to Arizona. Um, first, it was Mexico, Jamaica. So, Todd, why don't you tell us where she went? Where do you think she could have gone? Arizona. So now she's in Arizona. Okay. Where? Go ahead. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Where is she? Next slide. Uh, and some of these, I'm not going to play the clips. Uh, this is, needs to be handled by law enforcement, but we've talked about it. Um, really significant, that first one. The first one, and that's really, it's a federal issue. So, so it's not just the state police or the local police now that are involved. Um, it's federal people, and I'm not talking about this task force involvement here in the state. I'm talking about real federal people involved in this, um, because according to Todd, Dale created that new trucking business to evade the taxes that were owed on the last one. That's called tax evasion. You're not supposed to do that. Even if you need to sell the trucking company to make money, you're still not allowed to evade taxes. But Todd tells us that's why Dale created the new company. Also yeah, tells us- We have that, which you've turned over, or, or we have it, and you've, if necessary, you know- I'm Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about that because I know that the- feds are involved. So I, I just want to let that right. sit there. Um, and then he talks about Dale taking a polygraph. We already talked about that. We've got that audio uh, that Dale was, was tracking. We talked in past episodes about domestic violence and stalking. Uh, we know that Dale was placed that device in Dee's car to track her down. And so Todd talks, <laughs> likes to talk a lot about how Dale uh, needed to follow Dee around because according to Dale, he didn't trust her. He needed to see what she was up to, what she was doing. So he was stalking. So, so Todd confirms the stalking behavior. Now, um, if you're worried, if Dale is worried about if Todd is working with the feds on all of these federal issues, or is he really your buddy? Um, well, let's ask Todd. Todd, uh, are, are you working with the feds? You have to have information that you can share to help solve this whole thing. I have. With, I've shared the guys from the FBI. 
With friends like that, Dale, you don't need enemies. Not me. That's your buddy, Todd. So uh, I don't want to talk too much about their involvement. So because I'm, I just don't want to say too much about that. But just keep in mind what I said on the very first broadcast we did. It is quite likely Dale's going to get more time for the financial stuff than he is for any sort of homicide charges, right? And boy, he's going to wish he had taken our offer early on to clear this up. So he could have cleared this up before this got this far, but he chose a different path. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for sharing that with us. Next yep. slide. So that is his business associates, and there are others, right? I didn't want to make this too long, but I left some out. Some people were right on the line, uh, very tempted, uh, but don't want to make this go on forever. So maybe next time. I got some other people. So if you're out there, uh, I know who you are. I got recording, so don't worry about it. <laughs> next slide. Who would be some other people in the web? Well, that's a weird one, isn't it? The law enforcement. Um, what does that mean? His web of support by law enforcement. Are they, you know, working in cahoots with him? Are they on the take with him, or are they just incompetent? Or what is going on? So let's explain in detail what we're talking about. How law enforcement is part of Dale Warner's web of support. Next slide. Okay. Lead detective is Kevin Greco. He's with the Lenawee County Sheriff's Department. Let's see what he's done since he's been leading this investigation. So next slide. All right, now this, this clip is a little bit longer than the others. This one's about a minute and a half. And I have two little speakers on there because I'd like to play it twice. I know it's gonna be three minutes, but just in case you missed something, Maybe you want to hear it twice because there's some important stuff. So, Todd, why don't you tell us what's going on with uh, Mr. Kevin Greca? This detective who's been dating my cousin, by the way, ever since this all started. It, it's yeah, it, it, it's just my cousin. She's my aunt called me one night and it's like, do you know this Kevin Greca? I said, yeah, he's been, you know, uh, and this fucking guy has been. And he's the one that, when they came and took my phones, he's the one that signed the search warrant. This guy that's been hating my cousin for like a year. And it's like, isn't that just a little bit of a conflict? You know, if he was smart, he should have recluded himself right from it once my name was even mentioned. You know, when did I... So he's been... So my cousin about this whole thing. Because she told me, oh my God, that's not right. No, it's not. <laughs> that's crazy. It is crazy. So so he was seeing your cousin before this started. Uh-huh. Right. Because... The, the sheriff's detective should have, first word out of his mouth was, I can't be a part of this because I'm dating his first cousin. This isn't like a second or third or fourth cousin. This is a, like a first cousin who I've known, you know, choose like close you know and so then but see it's small town america lenaway county a detective like that in lenaway county 
that's their career case. That's big dick syndrome and the whole <laughs> bit because, you know, they don't get these every day in Lenawee County. Right. I don't think we need to hear that again. I think that was pretty clear. I mean, there was some garbled stuff in there from the um, the digital recordings, but that was just, that's how digital recordings are. Uh, I think the important parts were pretty clear. So maybe we can skip replaying it. What do you think, Chris? Sure. Or, no, um, I think it's solid. Okay, so let's just go to the next slide without, if you can do that without. There you go. There we go. So I, 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 yeah. yeah. Again, this is, remember this Todd Nehring, remember what he said, he's in this up to his ears, right? Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of people that agree with Todd. Um, and Todd says that him dating the first cousin of a witness who was there at 3.30 a.m. logging in under false names on the morning that Dee disappears probably should have recused himself from this case, right? Next Yeah. And according, these are Todd's words, not mine, right? I know the uh, sheriffs are going to be upset, but hey, just passing on to you what people are saying. Todd is one of the witnesses. And I, by the way, I happen to agree with them. Should have recused himself. Should have said, I can't be a part of this. You're right, Todd. Good call. Next slide. And then an interesting thing that a detective, a lead detective, is discussing the case with non-law enforcement, people linked to the case. He's discussing the case with her. And by the way, we're going to get into it. It's not the only person he's been discussing the case with. Next slide. And they don't get these cases very often. And guess what, Todd? You're 100% right. They don't. They don't get nobody homicides very often. Now, they have had one other one. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But they just don't have the experience. And when we came, Chris, you and I came with, what do you need? What do you need? We have experts. We have assets. We have people that are experienced in these types of cases. And all they did was question our motive. What's in it for you? Um, you just want to be the guy that solves it and make us look bad. And no, I've, I've been taking it very easy on them. So my, I think my tongue is bleeding from biting it so much, but we tried to help them because they're not experienced and they don't know what they're doing. Right. Next slide. Yeah. And, and I want to say one other thing about that point, Billy, is the fact that you have, but we bent over backwards on numerous occasions to say, guys, this, this, you know, how do we help? I mean, we were yep. the ones that sat there and got him to, to say the, you know, Jamaica and Mexico right in front of them. And, yeah. and they grabbed it and they grabbed it. They ran with it. And of course that's in the in basket, but at the same time, you know, all of this information, all of the things, you know, that, that have been gathered here, there are so many problems that have not been addressed and you have been on the ground, you know, from day one, uh, you know, I'm popping in and out and, but together, you know, collectively we have this PowerPoint, the last couple of them are as a collective effort in relationship to the evidence that just you've, you've uncovered and, and we've discovered together 
and we've said to the LE, guys, what's up? Let's let's yeah. let's hook it up. And then all of a sudden, Todd's laying on the on the on the massage table, and like a a light goes off. It's like you got to be kidding me. You know, homicide one hundred and one or or missing person one hundred and one is if if there is a conflict of interest in relationship to an investigator, they've got to recruit. You know, they got to step out. Yep. And they they need to check the ego at the door and let somebody else take over the investigation. I.e., turn it over to MSP or the FBI or whoever needs to be who it needs yeah. to go to. And, and and this is evidence of that. And and look, I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm not trying to say I do anything great. In fact, I don't like it when you talk about me doing anything outstanding. Um, but what I do care about is justice. I do care about fairness. I do care about getting murderers off the street. And I'm going to keep yeah. working for that. I don't care what you think about me, law enforcement. I don't care what how much you criticize me. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's not about me. This right. is about Dee and her family, not us. You need right. to start rowing in the same direction. Get rid of some of the amateurs. Uh, and we've been very patient with them. The family's been overly patient with them, in my opinion. But when when this lead detective, when you tell them, hey, I got, you know, witnesses or people that maybe you want to talk to about Dale being at the farm uh, at 3.55 a.m. that you didn't find, you didn't interview, um, and I'm going to take a little credit. I did, right? Well, you don't go, okay, yeah, we'll get to it on Monday. These are the manana investigators. And when I say, oh, hey, by the way. And that's, we, in the we, last, that's in the last yeah. PowerPoint. Yeah. It. By the way, there's somebody who uh, Dale confessed to saying he was going to kill uh, D. You don't go, okay, well, we'll get to it on Monday. Everything is Monday, 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 manana. And by the way, if, if it's an idea that they have, then they're happy with it. If it's something that you and I come up with, it, they all they do is criticize. Come on, guys. It's amateur hour. Knock it off. Let's get busy. Yeah. Let's let's get in the battle for good and evil. So nobody homicides. They've been two here in Lenaway County. They're Skelton Boys, Andrew, Alexander, and Tanner. God rest her soul. 2010. Thanksgiving 2010. Guess what? No arrest. Law enforcement is zero. Evil is two. Let's change that scoreboard. Let's change it. We can do that here in this case. They haven't solved any no bodies, and they don't get them very often, just like Todd told them. They don't get them very often. It's okay. There are people who are experts in this. Let them help. If you don't like me, if you don't like Chris, fine. Bring in the experts on these no bodies. Because all we did was come here and try to help you. And all you guys did was turn away the help. Unacceptable. And I've kept my but mouth they shut. Take, they did take, they did take initially. Initially, they did take. Remember, they, they didn't reciprocate, but they did take. And that's oh. okay. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, they um, promised, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take these phones. I said, okay, I'm going to give you the phones. And uh, all I want is that we get the Cellbrite downloads. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah no problem, whatever. Uh, that was uh, March, I think, 8th, right? No, never. You lied to us. Stop it. Let's get on the same team. I don't care if you like me or don't like me. I don't care if I like you or don't like you. It has nothing to do with it. It's not about us. This is about the community and the family and getting justice. Right. Evidence. So let's get this. Follow, follow the evidence. Whatever, whether it's a plus or minus. I right. mean, 
you've had me on the stand, Billy. I mean, right? If if I didn't, you know, if, uh, am I a straight shooter? Do I tell you, like, you know, hey, I, I don't know it, or you know what, this is w- the way it is. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it goes that way. It goes that way sometimes. But it is the evidence, and and it stinks sometimes. It smells, but it's what the truth is. That's the truth, and that's what we're seeking. And we've always. Se- been doing that so find the truth evil too and chris you know this better than anybody better than me these cases as law enforcement you are an impartial fact investigator you find the facts and if they fit the elements of the crime then you make an arrest and you give it to the prosecutor your job is not to go out there and criticize and comment on evidence and dislike billy and dislike chris and do your job do your job. Knock it off. So a year and a half, knock it off. Go do your job. And tell them why. What have we discovered? Oh, yeah. So the recordings that we have, and I have more recordings, but I'm not, you know, going to share them with everybody for obvious reasons. But I've shared with you some. But when this massage therapist goes to the police, goes to Kevin Greca, he laughed at her. He laughed at her. He did a telephone not even an interview. He's asking if she was a psychic. Um, she had recordings. He didn't obtain a single recording. He had, she had recordings from before I got involved. Of course, she did more after I got involved, but she had these recordings and she wanted to help. She wanted to be on the side of good. Greca obtains not a single recording, not a single piece of information from this critical person who, if you don't like her, if you don't like what she does, Okay, that's your business. It's not your job to judge people. It's your job to collect evidence, collect facts. And these recordings are evidence and they're facts. And your failure to to follow up on that shows your lack of experience. So it's fine. You don't need to have experience, but you do need to be able to open your mind up and ask for help when you need it and to do the right thing. And if you think it's a nine to five job, well, it's a government job and nine to five, you know, overtime isn't allowed, whatever. You're in the wrong line. You're in the wrong line of work. Don't be a homicide investigator if you think you can do it nine to five. You think I work nine to five for zero pay? No, there's no end to the work. I know. I know. And and this is all for the victim. This is all for the victim. It's and, and. you know, had had this person said something, uh, you know, or we've, we if we would have discovered even more against Deed, we'd be presenting that as well, you know, because that's the I truth mean, and, and the evidence. But it, it is, and unfortunately, um, you, you we had to put this slide up. We hate to do it, but this slide was necessary in this yeah, case. No, I, we have been holding off on this for a long time for a lot of reasons. One is we don't want to hurt a prosecution. What if a, the prosecution comes in now and goes, well, okay, uh, detective, you're so genius um, up on the stand. Did you bother following up on the mis- No, I didn't. Well, that's a mistake, right? And they start impeaching his credibility. Well, you, you're giving it to him. Don't help the prosecution. Start doing things right. I don't want to help the prosecution. But I also can't let this just continue to go on. This needs to change. And Todd knows it, too. You think the fact that you are dating one of the witnesses, uh, first cousin who he's close with, isn't going to come out by a defense attorney on the stand? You're crazy. They're going to impeach your credibility 
20 different ways. And that's one of them. So you think well, you were going to avoid this. Call that getting fonged. What's that? <laughs> getting fonged. Remember Mr. Fong? <laughs> getting fonged. <laughs> you yeah. guys used to fong up all the time. It was like, holy cow, I just got fonged. You know? <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, it's brutal. It's uh, brutal. And this case is going to be brutal. no different. It is going to be, you're going to get uh, an experience because experienced people do these homicide cases. You're going to experience defense attorney. And if you think you're going to be able to hide this stuff and let it slide by, no, no, you got to face it front on. You got to be honest about it. So yeah. time's up, Greco. Right, next, next slide. So, and there's, there's more. Some, oh, oh boy. Um, you went just when you thought we were getting off of Greca. Uh, there's evidence not just of, you know, homicide. There's evidence of multiple crimes. And it's been 15 months and not a single arrest for any crime by this team. Why? Conflict of interest that Todd Nairink calls out, but no recusal. Why? We talked about the importance of somebody's clothes that they're wearing when they're murdered, right? Where's the search warrant for those clothes? Why is it 15 months and there's been no search for those clothes? Why? Why? They've never driven the route driven by Todd Nairink that morning up to the lime dump, up to the um, wastewater treatment plant and back and the stops at the truck stop. Never drove that route. Why? This is a financial crime. Even the even the part where harm came to D, it was a financial crime. But you haven't yet conducted a forensic audit of the businesses. You know, according to Todd, that this is tax evasion. You know that there was a forged power of attorney. You know that debts were wiped out without corresponding accounting entries. You know that there's something funny going on. Why have you not done a forensic audit of this? Do you need the expertise, right? If you do, we can help. There's a lot of people out there every day in this country doing forensic audits of businesses. Is it a money thing? Is it an experience thing? Or is it that you just don't know what you're doing? Or is there another answer? And here's one that is going to be damaging to the prosecution very damaging to the prosecution. So Greca has gone around and talked about the information and the evidence in this case. He's been critical of the witnesses and not with law enforcement, with other people. He's critical of the information. He's critical of the people. Uh, and I'm not just talking about me and you. He's, he's critical of key witnesses in this case, and he spreads that around town. Are you trying to help the defense? Why would you, why, in what universe is it okay for a law enforcement officer to criticize and critique evidence, information, and witnesses out in the community when you're going to need to go to trial? And again, what is the first thing that defense attorney is going to do? Hey, well, this witness said X. Well, <laughs> you were lead detective. What was your opinion about that? Well, uh, uh, well, you thought that there was no credibility in that, right? 
are you trying to tank this case? Are you trying to destroy the prosecution in this case? I don't understand. Really don't. Are you really that inexperienced that you don't understand the effect? Have you never been to a trial before? Don't you know that you don't do that? It's unacceptable. Yeah, I just talked about that. I just get, I mean, it's its frustrating. Law enforcement should never show up in a web of support for somebody who is a target of investigation. Never. Next slide. There's a whole bunch of other people. And again, I didn't list all of them. I just threw some people up here. So the business deal the lawyers, the business deal that went through uh, with the sale of the business to laid law. Um, look, as a lawyer, you get to pick and choose your clients. You're not required to represent anybody. I've had uh, murderers come to me, offer me a half a million dollars in cash, um, and I've turned them down, right? Uh, you don't have to. There is no amount of money that requires a lawyer to represent anybody, but this Duzma character help Dale with the sale of the business, the sale of the trucking business and the family involvement, the father, John. We, we know that that's where Dale was that morning at 3.55 a.m. We know that the son was on the property. Now, I'm not saying the son had anything to do with it. I'm just saying that the son has his back as you know maybe family should. But without all of this support, and Mark Weisberg, we know, is the guy convicted of embezzlement for um, some other state crimes, but who Dale brought in to help him with the books, right? He's now in there working the books, this convicted felon. So, but without, if you take away this web of support, and there's more people, you take that away, it dries up. Next slide. Okay, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and go, wow, that's interesting. Wow. Um, Gosh, it's really horrible. Huh? I'm glad I don't live there. Uh, wish those people would do something. No, 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 no. We talked about it up front. You have a personal responsibility to do something when you see something is wrong. You you think I'm going to be a very popular <laughs> after this, this podcast? No. Um, police officers are going to dislike me and witnesses are going to dislike me. I'm going to get more threats. Um, but you got to step up. And by the way, let us talk for a minute about the criticism of the, the detective in this case. If you think we don't support the police, you're sadly mistaken. Uh, Chris is a retired yeah, homicide detective. And I can tell you not that long ago, a story when my wife and I were in a parking lot, and I turned around and there was a car uh, trying to drag off a police officer uh, hanging out the window of the driver's side. Uh, didn't even think about it. I just ran over to the cars 100 or 150 feet away, opened the passenger side, drugged the guy out of the car and got on top of him. Um, we support our police. And in Missouri, we do. The police support us and we support our uh, the police. It's a two-way street. So there's no criticism of law enforcement in general. There's no reason that people should be shooting police in this country, putting their lives in danger. They risk their lives for us and we support them. But you got to do the right yeah, thing. I mean, and I'm working active murders now. Right? And Billy, you know, I'm working active cases right now with cold case. So this is just, yeah. you know, one of the things. Of course, we back the blue. I mean, this is what we do. But at the same time, we're also honest. And yep. 
you know, there, there's back in the day, you know, there's, you know, if you didn't get out of your car and want to meet with people, well, you know, guess what? That guy writes tickets all year and that's all they do. But there's also a time and a place. And, and we're not saying that uh, we're not backing them. In fact, there's what we're saying is there's time to still fix it and do the right thing. That's what we're asking for. A call to action is do the right thing, whether you're a PD guy, uh, you know, the lead investigator or whatever. And, and he knows because I talked to him one-on-one. And this is no surprise. What, what it was a surprise is for Billy and I to discover this stuff and go, what in the world is going on? Okay. And that's what we're talking about that he needs to, he needs to straighten out. And the sheriff is invited on this show, 24, seven, 365 to explain any of this. Where I open up this platform, you know, to Sheriff Bevere and, and to Greca, if they want to come up here with you and I will, all four of us will talk about it. But at the point of chasing the evidence for D IE, why she missed thing. This is what experience brings to the table. This is what experience brings to the table. And so, you know, there you go. And, well, uh, I hope, uh, I hope it's up on it. Yeah. So, um, for That's the people my- that are on this channel, uh, that follow you, I know those are the people that when they see an officer being drugged by car, they're not just going to look at it and go, well, boy, that's a shame. No, they're going to do something. So here's what we're asking. And so it's discouraging in these cases. Sometimes it looks like evil is winning. It's been 15 months, no arrests. We know what there are crimes out there, but nobody has done anything. There's been no arrests. It feels like there's no justice, no fairness. Evil seems to be winning. But when it looks like evil's winning, what do you do? Next slide. You. You, you can make a difference. You can get involved. There are things that you can do. You say, well, gosh, I don't know what I could do. I, I don't know. I mean, what can I do? Can I send, you know, a couple of bucks to Chris McDonough to help him, you know, with his gas money and that um, gas hog he drives around? Uh, what, you know, what can you do? So I'm not going to leave you hanging. Here you go. Let's list some things you can do if you want to make a difference in this case. Call to action. Number one, yeah, contact LE. Contact law enforcement. You're allowed to do that. Do it. Ask them what's going on. How come you're not moving? How come you're not working with other experts to get this thing resolved? Do something. Why is why is Greco still on the case? You call them. Call them. Ask them your questions, not mine. If you have questions, ask them. Contact. If you have information about the case, call them, call them. But don't I mean, if you if you call them and you, you know, you get laughed at and call the psychic and you need to call somebody else. Well, yeah, of course, I'll take the call and I'll come and meet with you and I'll talk with you. I'm not going to laugh at you and judge you. Contact law enforcement. Super important. Number two, contact the prosecutor's office out here. Ask them why they haven't moved on it. And they they probably say, well, we don't do anything until we get um, the case submitted to us by the law enforcement. Well, why haven't you started working with them to get that done? I mean, they're people too. They're in the system too. 
Contact them. Ask them your questions, not my questions. If you've got questions for them, urge them to do the right thing. Three, contact elected officials. There are elected representatives, state uh, representatives, state senators. There's federal from this state, senators, representatives. There's governors. There's attorney, attorney generals. I mean, you have a lot of elected officials. In fact, the sheriff in this county is an elected official. Contact him. If you want to help um, get some information, seek it through FOIA. And you say, well, gosh, FOIA seems intimidating. I don't know how to do that. Guess what? We'll help you out. Next slide. There's a rally. There's a rally. Go to the rally. Make a sign. And, and by the way, this Justice for D has cost the family thousands and thousands of dollars. There have been billboards put up. There have been signs put up. They've hired people to do things, not me and Chris, but they've hired people to do things that have cost them thousands and thousands of dollars. If you want to help, send them a few bucks. Send, send the money to the Justice for D campaign. Come on, man. We'll send... We'll spend money on $5 or a Starbucks coffee. Skip a coffee. Send five bucks to the Justice for D campaign. I'm not making any money off of it. I'm not doing this for my benefit. I genuinely care about the family, and I hate to see this injustice go on. There's a rally next Monday, August the 1st, at the old courthouse in downtown Adrian here in Lenaway County. Come to the rally. Let your voice be heard. Next slide. There you go. Here's a couple of people that have stepped forward, who have been champions in this case, who have been pushing it, who need need your help, right? But they can also help you. If you don't know how to file a FOIA request, send Melissa or Catherine, send them an email. There's their email address. Ask them, what can I do to help? How do we get justice for D? How do we resolve this case? It's not about punishing the police here. It's not about punishing somebody or accusing somebody wrongly. Everybody gets their day in court, like Chris talked about early on. But if you want a society that we all want to live in, get involved. Contact Melissa, one of the heroes in this case. Contact Catherine, another hero in this case. There's Dee and Shelley, um, her sister-in-law, Greg's wife. Yeah, she needs you guys. I can't do it all. Chris can't do it all. We need your help. Wow, that was a long one. That was a long presentation. Well done, my friend. Well done. Uh, well needed, unfortunately, sadly needed, sadly, yeah. because all of this, all of this point to this point, you know, they, all of the, um, the crimes, quite frankly, that have been uncovered here, um, could have resolved this pretty quickly, but that said, uh, okay. So I just went real fast. Let's take a, a breather for a second. And everybody kind of chime in for a minute while I set up to, uh, if I've missed your um, super stickers and everything, please forgive me. <laughs> I am so sorry. I was, 
you know, just trying to run through this with Billy and forgive me if I have not uh, put it up here, but if you did put one in there, can you um, just don't do it again? Uh, we don't need it, but just put uh, your question in there and hopefully I can tag it. But let's, uh, let's see where you're from. Uh, we've got almost 1800 people in here. Kind of everybody weigh in. And we're thankful. We're thankful that each and every one of you are here tonight on behalf of D Warner. Um, we, we just are honored that um, you're here. Corpus Christi, Texas is in the house. Minnesota, Connecticut, Razor, thank you for being here. Utah, Salt Lake City, Aloha, Minneapolis, Kelly, AK Mama, <laughs> love you. Minnesota's in the house, Arkansas, Northern Kentucky, great state of Florida. Dexter, Dexter. Maine, Sigma, Montana, uh, Tennessee, Mountain, Tennessee, Missouri, Michigan, Tuscany, Canada, Rhode Island. That's awesome. Massachusetts in the house. Billy and Chris be safe. Yes, absolutely. We appreciate that. That's why you have HR2 18 or 15 on the books. Federal crime. New Zealand. St. Petersburg. Michigan. It's great to see everybody here tonight. California. Ireland's in the house. Top of the morning. Mexico. Love our Mexico folks. Pennsylvania. Wisconsin. Many blessings from Southern California. Kentucky. So let's see here. 20 minutes from D. Alaska. Australia. I always like to do this to kind of let everybody decompress for a couple of minutes. That's a lot of information that came at us. And uh, New Hampshire is here. And of course, always, Bob, you know, always, always, always. We love our Australian friends and our friends up in Canada. Thank you guys so very much for always uh, being here with us uh, here on the interview room. We we are so grateful to each and every one of you. We can't do any of this, obviously, without, you know, your support and, uh, you know, quite frankly, even supporting the law enforcement agencies uh, where you are at, individual uh, agencies where you're and where you are living. It is imperative that we back the blue uh, 1,000%. But then it's also imperative that we tell the truth. And sometimes, just like anything else, one bad apple can create a whole basket to look bad. So let's not do that uh, in our communities as well. And if we see it, then we're going to call it as it is. It is the truth. If it's the truth, and wherever the evidence takes us, we're going to head that way. So let's put up a couple of questions now for uh, uh, the next part of this. We're already uh, a little out, you know, hour and 51 minutes, and I know these run long sometimes, uh, but I start a couple here already. Uh, thank you, Chris and Bailey, for everything you do. Thank you for your appreciation. Always the greatest mods. I cannot disagree with you. What about Greco's oath? I, I'm going to answer that from a PD guy. Uh, great question. Great question. You're right. We take an oath to the Constitution to follow the evidence, whether it's a plus or a minus. 
They're, everybody is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, and it's our responsibility and has always been, you know, Investigations 101 is gather the evidence, whatever it is, and present it to the courts and let the attorneys battle it out. That's what our system is designed for. And that's why Lady Justice carries a set of scales and she wears a blindfold because it's our responsibility to put those scales or put our evidence in front of Lady Justice and um, put it in front of Billy and others. And by the way, just so you, you know, just if you just joined with us, you know, Billy was also a judge uh, in Arizona and so he's had it from all sides, from the investigative side, from the defense side, from the prosecution side, and he's also sat on the bench. So he knows what he's talking about, and uh, we're grateful that he's here with us tonight on behalf of D. Warner. Uh, so the question is, how can the uh, public help? And I think if you go back and watch the rerun of this, um, you'll, you'll get it. So right here. Uh, this is a good question. Is it true that defense attorneys can let defendants admit to the crime to the attorney, then get on the stand and state their innocence? <laughs> you okay. want to take that, Bill? Yeah, it's a, um, <laughs> it's a question. So an attorney is not permitted to allow a client or anybody else, a witness or anybody, to commit perjury. So if you feel like you're going to do that, you can't out your client, right, because there's this confidentiality. So what you've got to do at that moment when your client commits perjury is move to um, be released from the case. You can you must move to withdraw from the case. Um, you can't say I'm withdrawing because he's lying about it. You just say I have to withdraw from the case. And the lawyers and the judge and everybody will know what that means, <laughs> but you can't say it. You can never reveal a confidence like that. Um, so... Yeah, you can't put a lying witness or a client on the stand. Okay, and here's one for you, Billy. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you, Cher. Yep. Uh, so let's see here. I got another one here. Uh, how can we get justice for D signs to display on our properties up in Michigan? Con contact uh, Catherine, that uh, email that we flashed up there. Uh, maybe we want to put that slide up again at the end, if, if that's possible. I don't know <laughs> to get that so that they have some points of contact because um, people are going to have questions. What do we do? How do we do it? So Catherine Adams, she can get you some justice for D signs. Uh, yeah. Come on. I am the storm. Joni says, thank you. Thank you, Billy. Thanks, Joni. Thanks, Joni. Help us, Joni. We need your help. Here's the question. Do they have morals? That's, that's a, a, that's a great question. Judgment call. I'm not, yeah, I'm not here to make that judgment call. I'll let you all decide that. Yep. Uh, and love to butters. <laughs> oh, thank God for butters. Uh, so here's one. Does Dale, uh, have, Anyone close, he may have confided him. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the other one was morals and ethics. Are there any ethics left, right? Uh, 
I don't know. It's um, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to say, well, gosh, there's no justice. There's, a devil, there's a devil dog for you. Hoorah, I love it. Um, so a lot of these folks are, uh, these are thanking, they're thanking you, uh, which is well-deserved. Uh, I, I, you know, if, if they ever go missing, they'll call us. <laughs> right? uh, butter, butters and buddy rule. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. look at that poker face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me tell you something about this great attorney here. And he won't say it because he never does. Uh, info on the concrete slab. Remember, we talked about the concrete slab the last time. And then yep. I'll tell my piece. Uh, we got. Do we have any follow up on that? It was. It was right after uh, she went missing. Yeah, um, I'm not ready to comment on that right now. Right. So yes, it's we're we haven't given up on that. So, but I don't have a follow up for you. Sorry, Peggy. Okay. Uh, who is uh, this one right here? Sorry about that. Who is the current Lenawee County attorney? Uh, shoot. You met with him. Right? <laughs> I, I met with him. <laughs> I oh. wish I was smarter. <laughs> okay. It'll come to you. It's going to come back to you. It's going to come back to you. Uh, how do we get the FBI involved? Well, they're already involved. We've, we've met with them. Yep. Yeah, on, on a couple different levels. So, uh, question Have they searched his dad's property? Who knows? Hey, who knows? I mean, that's just another frustrating part. Yeah, put together a good case. Let me ask this Is there anybody out there who thinks, is there any doubt in your mind what happened here? Not not specifically how this and how that, but is there any doubt as to that she's not coming back and that she was harmed? Oh, <laughs> here it is. And I know, and I'm embarrassed because I, I met with the guy, but uh, Burke Castleberry, B-U-R-K-E, last name is Castleberry, C-A-S-T-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y. That's the prosecutor in Lenawee County. So, okay. And to answer your question, there's a lot of no doubts coming in. You know, i.e., you know, no, everything that you've thrown up here. And and remember, we did the uh, well, on the first presentation, we did a poll, which was the first ever in, in I think on the internet about what you guys thought. And we put it up and 99% of everybody says there's no doubt that we were on the right track. And then there was one guy. <laughs> one no vote. <laughs> one no vote. That's Thanks, said, Dale. Nah, you, know, <laughs> you, know, well, you know, it's like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> one no vote. Oh, well. I don't think first you... on the internet. Come on, the Indiana girl. First on the internet. Well, have you taken a poll of anybody on the internet? Just you know, just out of curiosity. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's okay to say that, but okay. <laughs> you know, next, uh, there's no doubt. Uh, so here's a question here: How can we get justice for D signs to display on our property? Already put that up. 
And okay. we go back to the emails of um, the gals and then come to the rally. I'm sure there'll be stuff at the rally. Oh, yeah. Come first. to the rally. Everybody will be there. Um, it's going to be a big crowd. Okay. So there's a question for you, Billy. Um, close to his property. Uh, the th- I'd like to I'd like to get these people on the phone because what I don't want to do is help Dale by giving out information on here. Um, okay. Yeah. So if Thank if you. you I'm sorry, what was the last question? But if they could contact me and you can get to me through um, Catherine or Melissa, they have the contact information. So I'd be happy if you're out there searching properties and areas. Uh, love to sit down and chat with you. Um, so question, do you feel there are multiple arrests, at least three, question mark? Uh, is there probable cause to make arrests in this case? Yeah. For, for more than one person? Yeah. So, but that's, you know, and if these people don't want to do it, then we need to get people in here that will. So we need to take some other legal action to get this resolved. If, you, if you're not going to move, you're too afraid or inexperienced um, or for whatever reason don't want to, um, then we'll get people in here that do. So we're not we're not out yeah. of this fight by a long shot. So if you think we're going away, guess again. Yeah, no, it's uh, we're not going anywhere. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Why can't Michigan State Police take over? Um, well, it's still under the jurisdiction of the sheriff's department, so the sheriff can make that decision. He could actually hand it off to the task force 100% and let them run with it and recuse them, recuse themselves. Yeah, they could, they could do that, but right now they haven't done that. So, but Michigan state police, they're involved. They just are in a supporting role, not taking the lead. Um, I, Scott, I actually think that's a great idea. I think they should take over. I think their level of experience is higher. Their, their, their budget is bigger. Um, I don't know. Their training is better. I mean, I just, I would, and it's not, that's not a slam on the local sheriff's department. That is to say that, you know, if you need more resources or you're not exactly sure, or if you got somebody with a conflict uh, in a case, then you can reach out to other law enforcement agencies. And that's what they're there for to support you, to support us. Right. But in this case, to support you. Um, Yeah. Let them take it over. Let them do the whole thing. Here's one. Why are these guys not arrested for tax evasion? I'm convinced this guy needs to be arrested. It's a great yep. question, Justice. It's a great question. Yeah. Why did Todd take uh, make a run under a, another name in the night in question? Yeah. Another great question. Great question. You, you got some investigators that. on this channel, don't you? I tell you, the, these gals and guys are like amazing and they're all from you know there's a retired cops there's there's lawyers there's everybody in our chat and they are really smart uh many times much smarter than i'll ever be but they're really smart um has todd obtained a lawyer yeah he has a lawyer speaking for him (laughs) no you're thinking of dale um oh i'm sorry No, so, um, so, and, and I didn't share all the recordings, but um, according to him, 
in his recordings that these lawyers that work at Laidlaw are going to help him out if he gets in trouble. Um, and if it goes too far, he's going to do some other stuff, you know, that, you know, to me and you, Chris, so don't worry about it. He's, he knows people that are going to take care of us. So, yeah. Okay. Not the yeah. first time either one of us have heard that, huh? Yeah. I mean, get in line. <laughs> right. Okay. How many to... cartel cases are we doing SoCal, right? And, and you. Oh my God. Yeah. Exactly. We, you and I, We've done organized crime. We've done cartels. You you haven't lived until you've walked into a vario that is literally five generations deep. And they were the original, you know, for the Arellano brothers. This gang, all the original cartel hit guys came from this area. It's called VPLS. It's Vario Pasole Locos. Okay. Them and Logan uh, Street from San Diego. And you haven't lived until you go into the vario and you see 187 McDonough spray painted <laughs> on the walls. Yikes. Right. Tell, them what, tell them what 187 means. It's kill me. Right. right. And so they That's lighted me. They, they lighted me. They green lighted me. And, you know, I, I went uh, to a different level at that day, but that was years ago. And now, you know, it's all about respect and, you know, just keep everybody, you know, the, the worst thing we have to, you know, we worry about here on the Doug on YouTube is, is the craziness of people that just lie and they lie and they, you know, but who cares? That's their life. You know, I, I'm here. I'm worried about D I'm worried about summer. And just like Maya, when we, when we were working Maya behind the scenes, you know, and you were on the front lines on that one initially, Maya's case was moved because you were in the house before anybody, even the cops, you know, and it was like, okay, here we go. You know, crazy time. And when my phone rings and it's Billy on the other side, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really fun. You know? And so this just keeps getting better. I'm so, surprised you answer the phone anymore. As much mess I've gotten you into. You, you know that you're, you're an amazing human being. Let's see here. Why did Todd make a run? Okay. We already answered that. Uh, so if the 49 states start bombarding about justice for D, will it make a difference? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't think people, that's something that people do like, well, I live in Hawaii. So, you know, what can I do? What difference can I make? No, this is a universal fight for justice. This, everybody can make a difference. And just because you live in a different state doesn't mean you can't make a phone call or send an email doesn't mean you can't, you know, attend a rally or provide some financial support to the team. So heck yeah, man, Pearl, I like the way you think. Um, yeah. And by the way, you talk about other states, there is some national media attention coming out very soon. So there are some, um, some of these TV shows, uh, and I'll, maybe we could promo them next time, but, um, don't yeah, and let's don't get off on me. We can talk too much about me, Chris. It doesn't matter me. But this case is driven by the facts of the case. Is the state attorney aware of it? I have no idea. That's a good question. Uh, this one does Dale have girlfriends since he was surveilling D. Another thing that I've been trying to track down. Um, but I mean, if I'm going to just be honest. Um, I looked hard for that. I didn't find any girlfriends. So, and it's not that I didn't look. 
how long does an electronic log work? And if there are any ex-girlfriends, please reach out. Yeah, feel free. You're allowed to do the right thing today as well. How long does electronic log work? I'm not sure what the question is, um, or how does an electronic log work? Oh, uh, it's a device. So truckers used to log, have a log book that they would hand write in, and the feds found out that everybody's just writing whatever the heck they want in there. Yeah, yesterday I drove for an hour because I don't want to run out of time that I can drive a truck or I lost my license or whatever. So this logbook, they found they were making. Now there were federal penalties for even making false entries in the written logs. But then they started requiring truckers to have these electronic logs because they saw too many people were cheating. Um, so you get in there, it logs everything. It logs once you start the truck, when you turn it off, where you're going, how fast you're going, how long you're gone. Um, it's basically like a fancy GPS for truckers um, because there are federal regulations because we don't want, you know, we want the roads to be safe, right? So we don't want people driving too long or too fast or whatever. So they're required to keep these logs. I don't know if I answered the question or not. And by the way, um, I didn't know before I got on this case how they were. So I had to get trained by people uh, that are good in trucking, like, like Catherine and her family and some other people. So I'm learning just like you all are about the trucking business. Yep. So this is more of a comment. It takes a while to build a circumstantial case. Hopefully they're just getting their ducks in a row to guarantee he doesn't walk. I hope so. Yep. Uh, with no body and uh, with his movements being accounted for on the night in question, shady, but doesn't prove anything. I don't know what kind of case you have. Okay, Mark. Okay. So there are, that's why let's talk about circumstantial cases for a minute. It's, it's a good question, Mark. Um, so we, we know that he has misled us right on some things. We know that that's why I listed all of the her passport wasn't used. There's no bank account. So uh, people think circumstantial evidence is not real evidence. So once you accumulate enough of this evidence that can only be explained in total by a homicide being done then, and you get a specific uh, circumstantial evidence instruction uh, at trial. And generally the judge explains it with the raining example. If you don't see the raining, if there's no witness that it's raining outside, but you go outside, the streets are wet, the grass is wet, your car's wet, everything is, that's circumstantial evidence that's, that is that it rained. And you, as a juror, um, that is real evidence. That is not some kind of fancy made up, make believe evidence. Circumstantial evidence is just a name for evidence that has to do with the circumstances, like the grass being wet, the street being wet, but it is real evidence. And in this case, there is a mountain of circumstantial evidence more than I've ever seen in a homicide case. Um, and if you're waiting for a body to be found, um, that's not required. No body homicides are prosecuted successfully every day in this country. There are people that know how to do it. And if you've never done one, then you can ask somebody to come here and help you. And that's sort of what we've been trying to do, help them understand this. But there are prosecutors that they can contact that will help them understand this. Um, his movements being accounted for on the night in question, um, that is part of the circumstantial evidence that is you said you were asleep until 6 a.m. and you went to the fields, but 
you were really over at your dad's house, right? Your electronic data shows that you were not at home when you said you were at home. And you combine that with the fact that his wife disappears at that same time, um, along with all the other stuff. It is enough to get a conviction. And here's another lawyer agreeing with you 100%. The mystery, uh, she's got, she's awesome. Yep. She's awesome. Oh. Oh, these circumstantial cases are brutal because they're just so much evidence, right? If you get a confession case or an eyewitness case, you think, well, that should be stronger. No, no. These circumstances, just like the mystery maven said, these circumstantial cases are devastating, absolutely devastating when they put them out there. Um, and in law, as the mystery maven will tell you, if you're explaining, you're losing. And now you're going to have a defensive attorney up there trying to explain away all the little pieces of evidence. And after a while, they got zero credibility. But she's she's absolutely right. Yeah, here she uh, just chimed in again. It's, it's like one stick is easy to break, but stack them all together, it's hard to do. Yep, yep. And they're going to go into trial and try to break one stick at a time. And what happens in trial is that they'll lose all credibility. Okay, well, you know, it's possible that, you know, the person was mistaken that he saw him there. Okay, well, because that person, you know, is a jerk and somebody said he's a liar. Well, you ha if you have to do that to 50 pieces of evidence over time, the jurors, you'll see them. They literally cross their arms and lean back in their chairs and stop taking notes. It is like, and when you see that, and it's tough when you're the defense attorney and you see that, you're like, uh-oh, this is really bad. <laughs> you're done. You're toast. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, thanks for the question, Mark. Uh, here's another. What about the fire on the property? Yeah, there's uh, there's some fires on the property. Um, there was a house that was burnt down. Uh, there was because just remember, it's not just deed that he's got to get rid of. He's got to get rid of the phone, the watch, the clothing. I mean, I assume the clothing. I mean, we'll find out if the police ever go searching for it. Um, he's got to get rid of a lot of other stuff. And fire is a good way to do that. Moonlight says this case served on a platter. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, let's get on with it. I got pain yeah. clients I need to get to. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that truck was uh, checked into a wait station. Uh, I didn't see that, but I've got every GPS coordinate where that guy went that day. So I didn't see the, the way station. Uh, state attorneys have jurisdictions over the sheriff. Hmm. Well, come on. Thank yeah. you. Well, come on, state attorneys. Let's go. Yeah. This uh, more of a comment. Contact sure. them. Yeah, it says the attorney general needs to know. If you know somebody, send it up the chain of command. Cherry, um, come on, help us out, Cherry. Let's see. Uh, what could cause the watch and phone to stop working at the same time? Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> what a weird coincidence. Coinky dink. What a, um, I don't know. They, um, I mean, they switch from, uh, Wi-Fi to cell at around 11. Let's see. That's, uh, one reason for that could be that they were turned off 
right? And then why do they go dead forever? Because their power source was eliminated. This hmm. one, Lime, question. It's a good question. Good. Great question. Yeah, see, yeah. Now Kathleen thinking like an investigator. Yeah, and Be and Betty says someone turned them off. That's right. <laughs> good point, <laughs> Betty. Awesome. We should have let yeah. Betty answer the question for us. Exactly. Okay, so I've kept you here two hours. Uh, the rally is August first. Uh, please correct me. Nope, that's correct. the uh, The rally is August first. And we're going to put information about the rally uh, in uh, below when we're done. Um, Chris, can you flash Melissa and Catherine's email up there again? Do you have that technology? It's one of those slides. Yeah, stand by. Let me. Uh, I believe it it's there. the one with the rally information on there, too. Yep. Hang on. I've got to do some, some of this in the background. You know, your young tech assistant is now no longer with you, is he? Yep, stand by. Let me get this going. Uh, share screen window, that one right there. There it is. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Okay, so melissa.mosier, M-O-S-I-E-R, dot 216 at gmail.com. And then Catherine, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N dot Adams 639 at gmail.com. Call to action champions. These women are amazing. They Thank you, done, Melissa and Catherine, both of you. Thank you. Yeah, they've done they've done so much for this case. Brave uh, work. Okay. Okay, Billy, as tradition always holds here, um, you get the last word. And then um, we're going to all go to Hawaii. And so what what stands here tonight is uh, open invitation to Sheriff Greco, uh, anybody else uh, that wants to talk about this from LA, from DA, or anything like that. Billy and I are available. Uh, I know he is uh, 24 7, 365. Uh, I'm just a little bit older than him. Uh, so. I, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to say anymore. Okay, but Crutch. Feel free to reach out. Billy, you always uh, amaze me. And I know I'm not going to say anymore because you're not going to let me. But at the same time, uh, how grateful I am uh, to call you friend. Uh, how grateful I am to you and Lou. Uh, and by the way, our wives. Uh, are also superheroes because they, number one, they put up with us, and number two, uh, they support us. And yeah. I know you married, I know you married so far up, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> you can't see straight. So, so did my you. Karen is sitting, oh, yeah, I, I, I know I did. She's amazing. And, I, and she keeps handing me these little notes, you know, about things I should say, and I follow her lead. So, Anyway, God bless you, brother. I will. Uh, I'm going to sign out here, and when you're done, you've got the last word here. Uh, we're going to go to Hawaii. Everybody, thank you so much. Please share this video out with all your friends and, and neighbors. And justice for D. Uh, let's keep this moving. Attend the rally. Uh, reach out to Catherine and, and uh, Melissa as necessary, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll get to see you up there. Uh, so, Billy, you've got the last word.
I love you, Chris. Thank you so much for doing what you do for this country. Uh, and if you think we're going anywhere, you're sadly mistaken. We're here till it's over. Uh, justice for D, there will be justice. Justice is coming, as I always say. Hard working every day, I'm stressed out 24-7, babe, no, no timeouts Wish we could fly away, you and I Go to our favorite place, oh yeah, yeah Make special memories, together I'll be your company, now and forever Facing away